Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Last part of chapter three, first part of chapter four, and then last week we launched two of our great friends and pastors here at Canvas Church, Pastor Brandon and Melissa Miller. We launched them into their next season of ministry in Florida, and uh, we're, we're praying for them, excited for them, but they preached an incredible message here about faith. And, uh, and so if you missed any of those, make sure you go back to the podcast, either via our app or our website and catch up on that. Uh, but today I wanna look at the first few verses uh, of, of chapter three, and then next week we'll jump on to the end of chapter four because Jeff already covered uh, the in-between parts. But I wanna read to you Galatians chapter three, and we're gonna read from verses one to nine as we continue our series today. And this is the thought I want you to dive into. One of the things that we need to guard against in this spiritual journey. How many of you guys know you're on a spiritual journey? Four of you, okay, the rest of you will find out by the end of the service. One of the things we need to guard against in this spiritual journey is from slowly being drawn away from the truth and living in a state of deception. Slowly being drawn away from the truth and beginning to live in a state of deception. What do I mean by that? I mean that, that we have to constantly, as spiritual beings in this spiritual journey, we have to be on guard uh, against things that look like truth, sound like truth, but aren't really truth. And they begin to get into our spirit and into our spiritual journey, and then they begin to slowly drift us away from the actual truth. And I, and I say slowly drift because I don't think there's a person in here that wakes up in the morning that says, you know what, I wanna live a fake life. I wanna live a false Christianity. I wanna live a false journey. I don't think there's anyone in here that does that, but yet if we're not careful as Christ followers, all of a sudden we can be so into a culture of a church rather than in a culture of Christianity or Jesus Christ, that all of a sudden we find ourselves drifting more into a culture that was man-set rather than a culture that was Christ-set. And it happens subtly in our journey. And as your pastor, I want you to know something that is constantly on my mind, that I want, I want, I want Canvas Church to continue to become a, a great, thriving church that's reaching the community. How many of you guys want to see that happen? Come on. I want to see us. I want to see us, not me. I want to see us reach more people for Jesus Christ. I want to see us actively living out our faith in a passionate way that, that points others to Jesus. And if God uses your church Canvas to do that, then praise God. But one of the things I'm constantly on guard of, and you can ask the executive leadership team, is I, I don't want this journey to become about Canvas Church. I don't want this journey to become about our culture and what we're doing. I wanna use our culture and what we're doing to point you to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is somebody with me this morning? And so I talk about this often with my wife and with the team because here's, here's, here's my concern as a pastor of this church is that you get so ingrained into the culture of the church that you are pursuing more of the culture of the church than you are Jesus Christ. And I don't want that to happen because here's what happens. The one day that God would transition you on then, whether it be to another church, which happens, whether it be to another city, you are so wrapped up into the culture of Canvas that now you land in your new city or your new home and you're searching for something that looks like Canvas and you can't find it and therefore now your spirituality begins to, are you with me? But if we can use what God's doing here to point you to Jesus, any church you go to, any city you go to, you'll be okay, are you with me this morning? That's my heart, that's my hope. And so we've got to be careful in this spiritual journey that we don't get slowly drawn away from the truth, living in a state 
of deception. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, that might be new to some of you. Uh, I know that a lot of churches use the NLT, which is a great uh, translation. They might use the NIV, which is a great translation. Uh, about two, three years ago, I just fell in love with this one. And, and so this is the one I'm reading from this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 says, You foolish Galatians. That's the way to start out a chapter, isn't it? Exclamation point. You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you? The New King James Version uh, that I used to, to, to preach from all the time says, who has bewitched you? Who has hypnotized you? The word means to be bewitched, enchanted, charmed, or, or fascinated. Who has charmed you? Who has fascinated you? Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Question. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh. Did you suffer so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then does, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, then, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you, bewitched you, charmed you, fascinated you into thinking that what you started out in the spirit, you can maintain in the flesh. I wanna to preach to you the next few moments on the idea of don't be bewitched. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that today that your word would come alive in this place. That Lord, you would use this pastor, God, to communicate your word in a way that, that every here God, the youngest to the oldest could hear it, receive it, and understand it. I pray you'd help me now create an environment for people to encounter your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and discover the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Have you ever been on a road trip? Anybody ever go on a road trip? Yeah, some of you, it's every morning on your way to work, right? Uh, you've been on a road trip, you're driving somewhere, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden you get distracted. Anybody ever been a distracted driver before? I'll never forget one time, as a matter of fact, yesterday I had the opportunity to go down into Mexico and, uh, and, and preach and teach to a, a group of about 30 leaders that are getting ready to do a camp in Mexico. Matter of fact, I love what Canvas Church is doing right now. So many incredible things happening. I already talked about a few of them. Uh, but what you might not know is that we're not just involved with what's happening here locally. We're involved in the nations. 
uh, we're involved in reaching people groups. And, and, uh, and, it, and it's pretty cool because um, Pastors Debbie and Miguel, who are on uh, staff here on the executive leadership team, um, they, uh, Debbie started 15 years ago this camp for uh, girls to teach them about purity in Mexico. It is now blowing up, and they're taking it now to Cuba, and they're taking it to other places. It's pretty cool. And guess what? We're involved in that Canvas Church. Uh, we helped raise money for it. We sent a team last year down to support it and to speak at it and to counsel these girls and mentor these girls. There's actually one for the boys now, too, coming up in, I think, October or November, somewhere around there. And, uh, and it, man, it's exciting to see what God's doing. So yesterday I had the opportunity uh, to go down there and to speak to the leadership that's getting ready to do this camp and had such an incredible time ministering to these people. And, um, but on the way down there, I was reminded of one of the times that, that I almost ended up in Mexico. Do you catch what I'm saying? Almost ended up in Mexico. I'll never forget, um, uh, it, was, it was my wife and I had been married for maybe about five years, and I was away at a trip, uh, I think ministering in Washington, D.C., and I, I, I came back after a couple of weeks, and I'm so excited to see my wife. That's a good thing, right? When you've been away, you're excited to see your spouse. Right, And I was so excited to see her. She was excited to see me. And we lived in Escondido up here at the time. And, uh, and so she picks me up at the airport uh, in, in San Diego. And man, we just, you know, we made the googly eyes. We kissed a little bit. And then we, we got on the road. Come on, it's a good married couple right there, right? And, uh, and so we got on the road. And she's like, tell me about the trip. And I'm telling her about the trip. And I'm like, tell me about your last two weeks. And she's telling me about her last two weeks. And we're driving and we're talking and we're driving and we're talking, not realize that the trip seems to be taking a little longer, you know. And we're driving and we're talking, we're driving, we're talking. And, and all of a sudden I look up and I see last exit. And I look up and she's driving. I look up and I was like, babe? She's like, yeah. I was like, we about to go into Mexico. She looks up, she's like, ah, what do I do, what do I do? And like literally we had to swerve across all the lanes to take the last exit before we went into Mexico. I didn't want to be that story on the news. Come on, somebody, right? What happened? What happened was is she got so enchanted with her amazing husband. Come on, somebody. She got so hypnotized, bewitched, charmed by this man. Why are you laughing? It'd probably be better if she told the story, right? That here we are and she's so into this moment with me and I'm so into this moment with her that all of a sudden we look up and we have been driving the wrong direction the whole entire time, right? Here in Galatians chapter three, Paul is warning and actually reprimanding the believers in Galatia about being charmed and bewitched by something that they think they're going the right direction. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they're making progress and they're growing in their spirituality and they're growing closer to God only to discover they've been heading the wrong direction the whole time. He says, hey, you foolish people. Who has bewitched you? Who has charmed you? Who has fascinated you? That what you started off in the spirit, it's a spiritual journey, that you now believe you can continue on and maintain in the flesh. Are you with me this morning? The contemporary Jewish Bible says, you stupid people. So much nicer translation, isn't it? <laughs> you stupid people. 
What is happening? Now here, here specifically, it's talking about the fact that, that there's these believers in Galatia that believed you had to be circumcised, physically circumcised in the natural in order to follow after Jesus Christ, in order to, to, to be a Christ follower. And, and now, now Paul is reprimanding, saying, man, you guys are so far off because that led to other things. That other, led to other laws and regulations and stipulations and, and things they believed they had to do. Because see, here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. When, when all of a sudden you step into believing you have to do one thing like that, it'll lead to other things you have to do like that. Can I, can I just talk practically here today about your spiritual journey? What about your spiritual journey that, 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 that involves other believers and it involves church? That sometimes, because once again, we can get so ingrained and wrapped in a culture of a church that we just observe the behavior of other people. We observe what leadership is doing. We observe what, what, what the ministry team is doing. We observe what that person's doing. And all of a sudden, we can look and say, okay, that's what I must have to do in order to be a believer. And the minute we buy into that and we begin to do things in the flesh in order to pursue God, what happens is, is now other fleshly things get added in the thought that that helps me pursue God. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. See, you had to do that in the flesh. No, just kidding. It's a joke. Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about, though? See, specifically in this case with them, it was, it was this circumcision, but then led to other things and these ceremonies and, and, and now, now these things that they took from even past rituals and they brought it in and this is what I must do in order to live this, this Christianity, this, this spiritual journey. But what about us today? How, how does that play into your spiritual pursuit today? Listen to me, I think there's so many valuable things about church coming together as a body of believers in a community, right? The Bible even says, hey, don't forsake the gathering of the saints together. In other words, the Bible's saying, hey, you should come together and come together often. And I love the verse that says, wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, man, he's there. And so we understand there's power in coming together as believers, as Christ's followers, right? That's why it's valuable not just on a Sunday, it's valuable to, 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 to be there in a small group. And, and why is that? Because there's something that nourishes you, but there's also something that nourishes others as you give out to them. There's also a supernatural benefit because there's a commanded blessing that God is there in the midst whenever two or three are gathered together in his name. That's pretty cool. And so we see the value of that, but listen to me. If you ever miss a church service, and if you ever miss a small group, and you feel guilty about it, you might be operating in the flesh. Oh, it got quiet here real quick. Church is valuable. Coming together as, as a body, it's so valuable. But I would propose to you this, why are you coming together? And are you coming together in spirit and in truth? Or are you coming together because, well, I should probably do it because pastor said I should join a small group. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to church today because, man, if I don't, man, I don't know if someone's gonna probably ask where I'm at and then I feel guilty and I feel bad about missing church. Maybe something's happening in the, the flesh. Now, that, that maybe there's a genuine sense sometimes, like, oh, man, I miss church, I love it. That, that's okay. But if you're walking away on a Sunday beginning and you're doing something else and you're like, man, I just I feel so guilty. Maybe you're in the flesh. Pastor, are you telling us not to come to church? I've never had a pastor tell me that before. <laughs> if you're coming, doing it as a ritual, 
and it's in the flesh? Yeah. Why come? But if we're coming together as a body of believers saying, man, there's a spiritual pursuit happening. And man, I can't wait to be there with a body of believers because God's presence is going to show up. And man, I don't know, someone's going to get healed of planter's fasciitis. Come on, somebody. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. But as I was reading this verse, I couldn't help but reflect on, on my own person. And see, that, that's, that's where I go when I study the, the, the word is like, man, how does this relate to Ben Brinkman? How does this speak to me? In what areas of my life have I, have I started out in the spirit only to be trying to maintain in the flesh right now? What areas of my life? But because, see, you gotta understand something, ladies and gentlemen, the minute you said yes to Jesus, you became a spiritual being. You, you became awakened to this fact. Let me read it to you. There's a powerful, powerful verse in John. John, uh, let me find it here real quick. John, chapter three, verse one, where, where Jesus comes to a man named Nicodemus. I want you to hear this. He said, there was a man from the Pharisees, then Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs and do uh, these things unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you're new to church, you would ask the same question that Nicodemus does. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? It's a good question. Jesus answered and said, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit. Everybody say spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I, I, what I told you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear the sound, but, but, but don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. What happens? When you said yes to Jesus, you were born again. You were born of the Spirit. Meaning that you are not, listen to me now, you are not an earthly, fleshly being walking on this planet. You are a spiritual being. You have an eternal being inside. That's the spirit man or the spirit woman that will live with Christ forever. You're a spiritual being. That means every decision we make as Christ followers, everything we do as Christ followers, it is spiritual. So let me ask you again, what areas of your life have you started out in the spirit only to be now maintaining in the flesh. Your marriage? Parenting your kids? Your job, your career? School? Ministry? What areas of our life do we start out with such spiritual insight, powered by the Holy Spirit, and we go after it only to find ourselves slowly moving this direction and trying to maintain in the flesh. i just talk to you from my vantage point. We are now 14 weeks, come on, in our permanent facility. Amen? Awesome. Man, it's been an incredible journey. Nearly 10 years of setup and pack up. 
And let me tell you something, in being set up and pack up, I often found myself in the flesh, not in the spirit. Because there's one thing I tried, I tried to pray that stuff into being set up and it didn't work, come on somebody. <laughs> Maybe if I just spend more time in prayer this morning, I'll get there and it'll all be set up, magically. So sometimes it was easy to get into the flesh and forget, no, this is a spiritual, this is a spiritual journey, this is a spiritual thing, man, we're trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. We're not just trying to fill an auditorium in a room and get bodies in there. Come on, we wanna expose people to the greatest message ever. Man, we began to pray for a building, 2018, the beginning of the year, man, we prayed and we prayed. We came out of 21 days of prayer. Not 21 days of driving around the city looking for a building. Not 21 days of looking through ads. Not 21 days of looking through listings. Not 21 days of talking to brokers and real estate agents. 21 days of prayer we came out of and we got a phone call from a broker says, hey, do you want this building? It was the Spirit of God that brought us here. And, and we said, what do we need to do? It's like, well, you need to raise a quarter of a million dollars in, in the next, what, what, what was it, nine weeks? It's like, okay. You know what we did? We began to pray. We began to say, we need a quarter of a million dollars in the next nine weeks. And we began to pray. And we get into this building. We've been in this building for 14 weeks now. And, and, and I'm gonna tell you right now, as your pastor, about six weeks ago, I got checked by the Holy Spirit. Here we are in our series. And man, I am stressing. I am like, man, we got a leaky roof that needs to be fixed. We got three acres to take care of. We got a power bill to pay. We got our first mortgage payment coming up. See, it all looked good until we had to pay money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I literally, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was stressing. I was like, God, how are we gonna do this? God, how are we gonna pay for this? And you know what I started to do in the flesh? I was like, you know what? Why aren't they giving more? I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's what we need. We need to strategize and figure out. We gotta pay for this. That was stressing. And the Holy Spirit said, Ben, how'd you get into this building? I said, we prayed. Ben, how did you get the money? I said, we prayed. So Ben, why do you think that you could start out in the spirit and get into this building, and now that you're in it, you gotta maintain it by the flesh? What makes you think now that you have, look, it was prayer that got you in, it's prayer that's gonna keep you in. It wasn't, it wasn't good strategy, it wasn't good planning, it wasn't that you're that great of a guy that got you into a building, it's because you prayed and you asked me and I gave it to you. Then you needed the money and you prayed and you asked me and I gave it to you. So now that you did that, what makes you think you can maintain this in the flesh? Listen to me, as your pastor, I don't have time uh, to sit around, and I did it, but I don't have time to sit around and start getting into the flesh because if I start getting into the flesh, this thing gets weird real quick. I don't have time, I don't have, I, don't have, I don't have the luxury of slipping into the flesh and taking a moment of self-gratification and, and, and a moment of saying, hey, look what we, no, no, no. I've got to remain on my knees in prayer, seeking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because it's in prayer where my spirit is maintained and it's in prayer where I get the answers from him so we can continue to move forward as a church. It's prayer, it's seeking him. But what about you? That's my moment, what about you? What about you? What are you searching for? What are you looking for right now that you are, you are doing it in the, the flesh? 
I, I can't answer that question for you. But what are you looking for right now? That man, it's, it's in the flesh. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What, what is it that's bewitched? What is it that's hit me? What is it that's got you off, of, off track? What is it in the spiritual? Let me just give you a few things because I believe they can all boil down. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Let me just give you these three things because I believe they can all boil down in this. First John 2.16 says this. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hmm. Is it not of the Father, but is it of the world? Here, here, here in this, this passage in John, he boils it down and says, look, there's really three things, and they can all boil back into these three things, what it is that pulls us off and gets us astray. The first one simply is this. He says, it's the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? It's, the lust of the flesh is a temptation for physical pleasure or, or physical acknowledgement. It's sinful activity to do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. This is the lust of the flesh. And let me tell you, there's moments in this journey where my flesh wants to, to be satisfied. E even in the journey of getting into this building, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you, there's been times that someone would come pat me on the back and say, hey, pastor, great job, man. We, man, we're, we just followed you into this building. I get that, I'm like, yeah, you did. I'm just being real. Feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you, you got on my back and we rode right in. It's awesome, isn't it? That felt pretty good for a moment. Until the Holy Spirit backs off and says, oh, okay. You think you got you into this? Well, then you can maintain it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's the lust of the flesh. There was a craving in our flesh. That's why the Galatians chapter 5 talks about this battle that, that goes on in the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, we'll, we'll get there. Let me just read a portion of it to you, though. It says, I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, Take a breath. Revelries. And you know what? There's so many more to mention, so I'm just going to say this and anything else like it. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's the lust of the flesh. And it is a real thing. And it is a real battle. And it'll creep up. And all of a sudden you'll get one pat on the back and say, man, that felt good. Now you, you get another accolade and say, that felt good. And all of a sudden you begin to drift off thinking that you can maintain this thing in the flesh. And you can't. But it's not just the lust of the flesh. Secondly, John tells us it's, it's the lust of the eyes. What's the lust of the eyes? The lust of the eyes is that temptation to, to look upon things that we shouldn't look upon, or to covet things that aren't ours. Now, not that you've ever done this, but coveting. Like, like you look at the brand new car that your friend got. Why do they get to get a brand new car? Oh, because they wanted to go in debt. No, I was kidding. Why do they get the brand new car? I like a car like that. Oh, man, look at so-and-so's house. That's a great house. 
man, why does pastor get to build a house? Because he was dumb. <laughs> wow, man, look at, look at, look at. I, I think I shared this before. There were times in, in, our, in our church journey where I see some of my friends getting buildings, and I'm like, what? And then I see them like, oh, man, so proud of you. Way to go. Way to get a building, jerk. I'm coveting things. It's a real deal. It's a real thing. But all of a sudden, they'll begin to take you away. Uh, not enough time to share with you, but man, just, just go to Exodus 20, 17, write it down. Second Samuel chapter 11, write it down. Some reading for you later. Thirdly, what, what, what is it that bewitches us? What is it that, that enchants us and charms us and draws us away? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life. The pride of life. I mentioned earlier, but desiring to get credit where credit isn't ours, but it belongs to God. Well, that's the pride of life. That's, that's like, I wouldn't mind squeezing in here for a moment. I mean, I've worked hard. Remember, you're a spiritual being, and everything you do is spiritual. But yet the pride of life will try to creep in and get the focus on you, yourself, and I rather than on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when the focus shifts off of him and begins to shift onto you, listen to me now, you are operating in the flesh. And don't think for a moment that what you started in the spirit, you can maintain in the flesh. Oh, foolish believers. Who has bewitched you? Who has hypnotized you? Who has charmed you? into thinking that which you started out in the spirit, you can maintain in the flesh. God, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you that your word is awesome. Do me a favor, just stand to your feet where you're at today. Hallelujah. Pastor, I thought you said you are gonna go long. I wanted to, but that would've been my flesh. Do me a favor, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want to I ask you the same question that Paul asked the church. And I, I want you to close your eyes, and here's why. I just want you to, I don't want you to know what else is going on around you in this moment. I think there's something so powerful about focusing in and meditating on the word and meditating on what he just delivered to you through me for the last 35 minutes. So just close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask you this, this question, the same question that Paul asked the church at Galatia. Who or what? has bewitched you? Who or what has hypnotized you? You're a spiritual being. What in your life right now are you trying to manipulate and maintain in the flesh? I hear the Holy Spirit coming today saying, now man, it's time to get back into the spirit. Did you know that even ministry could be maintained in the flesh? Matter of fact, a lot of times ministry can be manipulated by the flesh and, and sometimes it even equals greater growth because I can get people in, but let me tell you something, it'll crumble just as fast as it was built. What about you and your life? What are you trying to build? You can build it momentarily in the flesh, but what you build in the flesh, you'll have to maintain in the flesh.
But when you yield over your life and you yield over your marriage and you yield over your parenting and you yield over your career and you yield over all the things that are going on in your life to him, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you say, God, uh, it's not my will, but your will be done. The life I live is no longer mine. It belongs to you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to walk this thing out in the spirit. All of a sudden, what begins to happen, he'll begin to break down all of those other things in your life that were built in the flesh. And it might look like for a moment that things are calm. They're not. No, he's, 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 He's beginning to do some work in your life, beginning to get you to a place of stability and a place of growth and a place of health and a place of hope and a place of long lasting. So without any hands raised, you know what areas in your life you've been going after in the flesh. God, I pray right now, Lord, for this incredible community called Canvas Church that you'd reveal to each and every one of us today. Lord, just as you revealed it to this pastor who was trying to maintain this thing in the flesh, God, I give it up. I surrender it to you. Lord, nothing about this journey, nothing about this church was ever because of me. It was never because of man. It was because of you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It was because of, of people who had bowed their knee and said, God, we need help. And so, Lord, I pray for this beautiful community today that we would evaluate our own walk, we would evaluate our own spiritual journey, and we'd say, God, what area of my life do I need to yield over to you once again so that I don't become foolish like the church of Galatia? I don't want to be drawn away. I don't want to be in deception. I don't want to be hypnotized. I don't want to be bewitched. I want to follow you and you alone, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So God Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.